and welcome to episode 5 of A Link to the Cast. I'm Mark Robinson and with me from across the pond as always is Dave Ryan. Dave Ryan, how are you on this, uh, well it's actually it's quite miserable over here, but how is it over there on this Tuesday morning? Typically miserable as well. And Mark, I, I don't really like the, the trend I'm noticing in the podcast is that we're getting earlier in the day. Now I'm on my holidays, Mark. And a, a, a bit of a peek behind the curtain is that it's before 10 a.m. I don't do anything before 10 a.m. on my holidays. Uh, I'm just I'm just saying this now because I am not doing a podcast at half four in the morning. Look, we live in crazy and dangerous times. And <laughs> if we're going to be doing our E3 special, I want us to be up at three o'clock in the morning to watch everything that they have to throw at us, which will probably just be another Assassin's Creed game. I want <laughs> to be there for the live scoops. It's what we do. You're going to be watching that Ubi press conference with uh, I will on, the, be on the edge of your seat. Far fucking removed from the Ubi press conference as you can possibly be. We, when, we'll, we'll talk more about uh, my experiences. I watched all of day zero or day one, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> of uh, of E3 last year on a live stream from IGN. We'll talk about that during the special. I don't want to eat too much nope, into the content for what will be a quite a short show already. That's fine. <laughs> Cool. Um, okay, well, to start off with, I would like to quickly uh, talk about Splatoon. Uh, as Splatoon is, has finally been released now, and I've been playing it over the weekend. And there's not a whole lot more I can add to what I discussed with the demo version, because to be quite honest, the online multiplayer kind of component side of Splatoon isn't actually... There's not a lot more to it from the, the demo version. Um, the the single player campaign, which I'm still playing through at the moment, but which I've been told is relatively short, between four to five hours, uh, is there's nothing too groundbreaking about it. It's you have uh, a kind of overworld map that you can go to um, your levels. It's like a level select, and you go play through the level. You have to collect some item at the end, and you, you battle through a series of enemies and traverse different platforms. And there's you know tiny amounts of puzzle mechanics and elements involved and that's okay but again like the multiplayer side of it it feels like it's a little bit lacking um in terms of stuff i mean you have the ability to buy uh upgrade your weapons you can buy new clothes and shoes and they have like little perk uh upgrades whether it's increased damage or increase your ink capacity that kind of stuff uh, but other than that, there isn't too much more to say. And I was, within the first couple of days, I was starting to feel a little bit disappointed. And certainly from seeing um, some other people's responses and thoughts about it on Twitter, that they were kind of disappoint- disappointed by it as well. But then I tried to think of the big picture, and I was thinking that there's a good chance, you know, Nintendo are thinking that this is a pretty risky deal there venturing themselves into by having a brand new bit of IP for the Wii U, uh, which is just two things that, at this point, you'd think aren't really going to merge too well together. And certainly for a game that its emphasis is on online multiplayer playing, and you need other people to be playing, and yeah, I can see where there might be some worries about that, but from what we've seen, uh, Splatoon is Wii U's fastest selling new franchise in the UK, I think like the fastest selling one since Zombie U, which should give you some sort of idea of A, how many new franchises there have been for the Wii U and how well they, those ones have done. And so I think what might have happened is uh, Nintendo might have took a step back and said, okay, we'll have like a basic template or basic framework of other stuff that we're going to incorporate into Splatoon. And if we see that there's a 
you know big enough install base we will get cracking on with that and we've seen already that they announced uh, yesterday with their uh, micro press conference they had that they've already got a new weapon and a new map being implemented I think it was yesterday that they uh, threw their stuff in and I can see them certainly having more stuff they're going to have uh, ready to go at E3 or to announce probably somewhere up for Christmas and I can see them just doing a whole bunch of free updates between now and Christmas which I don't think is the worst way to approach what they've done with Splatoon and it's going to keep people you know wanting to play it I feel I'm certainly going to want to kind of check back in every now and again because uh, I think there's only like five maps I think we're out of six maps to start with and uh, yeah I just think they need just to add more as they go along because it's very bare bones it does have that feel of my first shooter which i mean if i had kids god forbid this is the kind of thing that i would want them to play first you know because it's not about killing your opponent it's about covering the area in as much ink as possible and uh, it just does have a fun frantic vibe about it that i i really dig how um kind of like i i know it's it's hard to tell um early on the first kind of couple of weeks of release but how kind of full empty are the the online lobbies because i've noticed that with a couple of nintendo games that that dabble in the online play that things tend to drop off very very quickly sometimes well uh, my issue and i don't know whether it's the actual servers for Splatoon or it's uh, my internet connection but it's been pretty ropey for the first couple of days but in terms of finding people to play with that hasn't been a problem at all I certainly do feel Nintendo's approach whether it was accidental by design might help that by having continuous updates will keep people people continuously playing but you know I've not had an issue with empty servers so far you know there's always been people to play essentially that's good because that uh, I'll get on to empty server issues bothering me soon. But uh, have you been playing anything else this week? Uh, I've been playing a whole lot of Peggle Two. Um, <laughs> now I have made this bold statement before. I don't know if I made it on this show, but I do generally believe that the original Peggle was uh, one of the finest games of the last generation. Um, it's big shout. It's a big shout, but that game was like crack and I wanted all of it. I wanted it all up in my nostrils. And so when they announced Peggle 2, and then they announced that it was a timed exclusive for the Xbox One, I had a little cry on the inside, but I thought, I'll wait my time. I got my PS4. I didn't even realise that the Peggle 2 had been released elsewhere, and there it was on the uh, on the PlayStation market, and I was a happy boy. It is essentially... It is what you'd expect from a pop-cap game that has been bought by EA... Um, it doesn't really add anything new whatsoever. It's just more peggle, more uh, yeah. It's more of the same, really. You drop a ball, you hit some pegs, you hope to hit all the orange ones. It does have some kind of uh, side objectives, like three mini objectives to do for each level. Two of them always clear all the pegs. There's a high score, and then there's like a trick shot of some description. And I'm now currently trying to desperately complete all of them because my life feels quite empty and pointless until I have completed all of the side objectives. Or maybe it's when I stop doing that and look outside the window and realise everything else is pointless. And anyway, it's 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 fun. It's it's pedal. Yeah, sorry, it happens <laughs> when I talk about pedal. It's it's pedal. You know, if you've played it before, you're going to get the same thing here. The art style is even more cartoonish than the first one which I was kind of kind of surprised by um, I think it does have some um, not DLC but just some 
bits and pieces that you can buy in-app purchases. I haven't really looked into that because I don't need extra balls to complete a level. I'm the fucking Peggle Master. I need none of that. So, <laughs> yeah, it's Peggle. It's, I think it's like four or five quid on the, the PS Store. I don't know how much it is on the Xbox Store now. Do you like the first one? It's more of that, really. So, that's it's pretty a much a big recommendation from you. Hey, it, uh, it's Peggle. How can you not say no to Peggle? <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, what have you been playing, Dave, before I go off the deep end? I've been uh, dipping into a couple of things this week. Uh, The first thing that I kind of um, started on a little is uh, a game that had been recommended to me by a couple of friends, uh, Dragon Ball Xenoverse. I've picked up a couple of Dragon Ball games in the past, and they're all kind of like, they seem to be all kind of the same to me, um, where it's, you know, you just basically... It's a standard fighter, it's nothing too special, and then the kind of the campaign mode, for want of a better term, is basically just playing through the different sagas from the TV show. Has um, that not been the Dragon Ball series games for at least the last 20 years now? It Yeah, it seems to be that way, yes. Like, I mean, I love Dragon Ball Z, don't get me wrong, but that is flogging a dead horse to some degree. The dead, the dead horse, this is what I'm about to get into now, is that the dead horse is being flogged in a slightly different way in this game. And I kind of, like, I, I appreciate the kind of, the way they're going at it. The the Dragon Ball Xenoverse thing, there's a lot more of a kind of, um, how would you say, kind of RPG elements to it, where you create your own character at the start. Um, they can be human, uh, Saiyan, Namekian, uh, Majin, and then it just says, Freeza Race <laughs> is the last one, which is fantastic. I, I should actually get a screenshot for you to use in the cover art. Oh, I think I need to play this game. just says, Freeza Race. Uh, but the whole thing is you create your fighter, and you can kind of, like, by doing different kind of tasks and missions in the game, you upgrade him with different powers or her with different powers, kind of make them a stronger fighter and stuff like that. And then the kind of the the tenuous excuse for you to start traipsing through old Dragon Ball Z kind of uh, territory is that you are part of kind of like what... I can't remember what the exact term for them is. Maybe you might know a bit better than I would with your Dragon Ball Z lore. You're basically a time cop with trunks. Future oh, trunks. um... Oh, it's like the Capsule Corporation. Um... Uh, it's time something. Time is in there somewhere. It's real on the nose. Time Patrol or something, they're called. I don't know if that's like part of the GT law, maybe. Oh, who knows? Because that's when it goes... I like... stopped watching at that point. Yeah, well, yeah, I think so did everyone else, which is probably why we don't know the answer. Yeah. But uh, you kind of... Uh, Trunks has noticed that things are going wrong throughout history. So, kind of, you play an opening cutscene where you're Goku on Namek fighting Frieza, and just at the moment where you play through the final seconds of that fight, you beat Frieza, but suddenly her or his eyes uh, glow purple and gets resurrected. And the same thing happens. They keep cutting through different times. It happens with Cell. It happens with Boo, and it happens with Raditz as well. So the kind of the setup is things are going wrong in history and your character and sometimes future trunks have to go back in time and fight the these kind of semi-possessed bad guys and make sure history pans out the right way. There I haven't dipped massively into the kind of the online features or anything like that. Uh there is a there does seem to be like a massive online component to it just talking to other people I know that have played through it. 
you know, like we said, it is flogging a dead horse that every Dragon Ball game seems to try and trace back through all the stuff from the TV show, which obviously, you know, you'd want to do for a cash-in. But, but so um, essentially, you play as Michael J. Fox through the Dragon Ball C universe. Basically. Awesome. And, like, that's the way it was so- that's, that's the way it was sold to me, and that's why I bought it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the actual uh, fighting mechanics of it, because I've always found that the Dragon Ball games... Um, the actual fight mechanics have always been a bit clunky because, like, you watch the series and to get that level of just frantic kinetic energy that exists in the series in, term, in, in the fighting, that's just a very hard thing to replicate in a video yeah. game. What I will say is that the controls seem to be fine for someone like me who doesn't really put a lot of effort into fighting games, at least. Right. I don't know how people who are massively up for their fighting games would feel about it, but there's, like, the kind of... Just to kind of break down the controls a little bit, you've got kind of the... The arenas you fight in are pretty massive, and it's kind of like 360 environments. It's not like a, kind of a standard kind of fighter where you're just going back and forth, and those that's the only real axis you can move on. You can kind of... You can fly around, you can go up and down and stuff like that. Uh, you've got your X button to fly or to boost. Square is just standard strikes. Triangle, a charge strike. Obviously, this is on... PS4. Circle is kind of blaster attacks and then on top of that rather than clutter up the shoulder buttons with different special attacks for each one if you hold down R2 it does a drop down menu of your kind of your super special attack so when you are playing as Goku in the original uh, in the opening kind of couple of cutscenes if you do the drop down menu for R2 that's where you'll find like the Kamehameha and instant transmission and stuff like that so it's like it's cool. It's enjoyable. Obviously, like, it's the kind of art style from the last couple of Dragon Ball Z games where it's almost kind of cel-shaded, so it looks very much like a kind of, like, living and breathing episode of Dragon Ball Z. So, that like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, uh, enjoying it enough so far. I can't... I'm not far enough into it to make a real final judgment to see what kind of longevity it has. Like, it could be a case where as soon as I beat the main campaign that I never come back to it again. And it doesn't seem to be... Um, from what kind of other people are telling me that it's like all that massively lengthy a thing when you get stuck into it. Yeah. Because I kind of, when I got it, I kind of put it on the uh, the back burner with the likes of Dragon Age and um, a couple of other games where I'm like, I need to wait until I'm free for a long period of time before I touch it because I might get just sucked into it. But uh, yeah, it doesn't seem to be as lengthy as I had assumed it was going to be based on things I had read about it. I can't imagine a Dragon Ball Z game is the kind of game you're going to get sucked into for a lengthy period of time. That's not exactly what that series of games <laughs> has a track record for. Fair um, enough. Okay, well, I, I'm, yeah, I've never really, uh, uh, you know, I'm a massive Dragon Ball Z fan, um, which is why I'm 27 and single, but I do enjoy just the sheer absurdity of all of it, and that's probably something I might look into. Before we move on to anything else, have you ever watched Dragon Ball Z abridged? Oh, of course I have. You showed me once in a pub in Dublin. That's how. That's that was my introduction to it. To Dragon Ball Z or to Dragon Ball Z abridged? To Dragon Ball Z abridged. Okay. I've been watching Dragon Ball Z since I was a child, Mark. Please okay. don't take credit for that. I'm sorry. I I can. I I was too busy scoffing down chicken and ribs to remember anything else yeah, that happened. We, that day. We, were, we were sitting in a fine establishment. Big shout out to the Gin Palace. And uh, on their on their free Wi-Fi, you were showing me you you told you told me to look it up, and then decided that you wouldn't allow me to leave the building on the off chance <laughs> that I went home and didn't look it up straight away when you went off uh, to the airport. So, what, what I'm going to yeah. say is they managed to turn Cell into a complete sexual deviant, and it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, I've been playing a couple of other things this week. 
and not to kind of like uh, labor the point by uh, kind of going on too long, but uh, I started into The Witcher. Mm-hmm. Speaking of games that could suck you in and take an awful long time. I can imagine that with, would be a game that would be doing that. Yeah, with the alleged 200-hour uh, playtime or something to that effect. Um, only still kind of working through the tutorial phases in it. I say I played it for about half an hour to an hour last night, mainly just to have something to talk about today. It's great. The world... I, I can see everything everybody said, like both positive and negative about the game, even in the early phases the world it's it's fantastic world building going on here like the world feels very much lived in you know what i mean rather than kind of like feeling like a game world that's just there to kind of like service your side quests etc it feels very kind of lived in it feels like it has history you're treated to a couple of fairly lengthy cutscenes at the start that kind of um run you through if you're not kind of au fait with the the witcher universe you get the option to kind of like um play through these rather than skip them so that was good for me because i haven't played any witcher games previously so i was kind of nice and caught up on things the two things that i've seen that people have complained about the game i'm already seeing occurring quite early on and that is firstly the incomprehensibly small text on the screen (laughs) now I'll put it to you this way, Mark. I have never been more thankful that I'm lucky enough to have a 40-inch screen to play it <laughs> off because it is just about readable on, like, and uh, like in full 1080p and everything. It is just no, about readable. It no, is quite no option, small. No option to increase the size of the text or anything? or No, no. Ah. Uh, not At least not to uh, an acceptable size, anyway, for most people, because, like, that's what I kind of... I had read a lot of that you... If you don't have a big screen, just turn off the text, because there's no point. And yeah, I can see where that would that would come in because it is like it is certainly kind of legible on my screen, but I can't imagine that if you get a screen that's much smaller than that, that things are going to be very fun for you at all. And the other thing is kind of the the controls of the game are a bit unwieldy. Now I don't know whether kind of part of my impressions of that, like I know a lot of people are complaining about that. I don't know if part of my impressions are that of that is that I am not used to this kind of game, um, where kind of like unusually for a game that involves a lot of kind of um sword or hand-to-hand combat i'm having to deal with things like it being circle to jump and if you enjoy metal gear solid 2 you have no right to <laughs> say any other game has unboardy controls yeah <laughs> okay fair enough yeah we'll we'll move on from that then but it's um yeah it's just it's kind of a little bit to, to get used to um in terms of the kind of like the, the controls as well, it's kind of um, it is hard to get your character Geralt to get him where you want to go. There's a very good chance that you'll end up moving a couple of steps beyond where you need to be standing, or fall a couple of steps short. Because there's, it's strange the way his momentum builds as he's walking across, he's traversing things. There's a you have to try to get used to how you move around the world in the tutorial phase by racing your daughter down a set of stairs. And that, that within the first few seconds, quickly became me raising her and then falling down the stairs, which, you know, was fun in its own respect. But I imagine when I'm running away from people, losing half my health bar by not being able to grab a ladder as quickly as I'd like um, won't be fantastic. But look, uh, I'll, I'll probably have a lot more to say about that by uh, our next episode. But the other thing I kind of, and I had uh, tipped on this a little bit, 
in one of our previous shows, uh, I've been playing a fair bit of Grand Theft Auto Online, Mark. Mm-hmm. And this is the more I seem to be mentioning this, the more I'm pulling you into this world to make it to make you come join us, to make you oh, come join my gang. Believe me, that will be that that, that is on the cards. That will be <clears throat> happening. GTA Online to me has been one of the greatest and also most most frustrating experiences I've had on PS4. It's a fantastic, massive world play. Like you play around the whole kind of sandbox map of the main game. Um, I have built I have built up my character now. I've carried him over from PS3 and everything, so I'm well lived into that character at this point. And kind of in the last few months, they've introduced the heists that they've been promising since the PS3 version came out. They've only just implemented them. Yeah, which are an awful lot of fun. Um, I think we're as a heist leader anyway. I've done a few kind of um, been invited because you can get invited to heists to kind of be just one of the bodies involved in the heist and get your cut then, or as a gang leader. You can be the heist, the the heist planner, and the difference there is you don't get paid off for every mission along the way, and you put in your you have to put in your own money to start the heist at the start. But because of that, you get a bigger cut at the end. Okay. Uh, whereas other people kind of get paid a little bit, a little bit as it's going along, and then get a smaller payout at the end of the heist. So it's kind of it's it's very kind of well structured like that. A couple of the kind of like what was the early heists. There's one that involves you kind of just robbing something out of a safe in a kind of a bank that's out, a small bank outside the city. And every heist isn't just kind of, okay, we go into the heist room with our gang and then we're on the heist. You have to complete a series of setup missions. And depending on how complicated the heist is, you will have more or less setup missions. So I believe for the for the bank job that I did, um, there's only a couple of ones that involved, firstly, getting a bulletproof car, and secondly, there was one where we did a test run to see how many people worked in the bank, and to kind of, my second player, because it was a two-man heist, uh, my second player then figured out how he was to hack the security systems so that we could get into the safe. And then we go on the heist and in one of the coolest things I have ever been a part of in a video game when we're making our escape across country and we go across this bridge in the middle of nowhere as we are running across the bridge at full pelt and you can see there's a police barricade on the far side of the bridge a cargo bob helicopter swoops in with a giant magnet on the bottom and pulls you to safety (laughs) and I'm just like Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I love you, Grand Theft Auto. You are silly and amazing, and you are the best. Now, I played a bit of GTA Online on the Xbox 360. Um, yeah. Only a little bit, though, but when it kind of first came out and was buggy to all hell, and I didn't spend too much time with it. Yeah. What are the noticeable differences, other than the graphical, uh, between the last gen on GTA Online and this gen's GTA Online? Well, yeah, as you hit upon, like, the, the graphical is a big thing. There's also kind of, like, kind of in between the time I stopped playing the PS3 version, bought a PS4, and they took their sweet time about launching the PS4 version of GTA V. Obviously, a lot of updates have come into the game, whether it's gear, uh, clothes, cars, all this sort of thing. You've also got the, the much-vaunted first-person mode, which is absolute chaos to try and control. <laughs> um... It like is MGS2 uh, levels of chaos. Yeah, it's something else when you've been like used to playing Grand Theft Auto games through a certain viewpoint since GTA 3. 
and then you suddenly get to drive around cars like it's crazy Gran Turismo or something like that, where you're actually so a good like, Gran Turismo. You're yeah, you're yeah, you're actually looking through kind of when when you're in the first person view, it's not like you just kind of you know the floating camera in place of a car sort of thing. It's you actually are looking at your steering wheel with your hands on it and the dashboard and everything like that. And you can look across and see your kind of your crew member in their crazy regalia sitting beside you and stuff. Very, a, a lot of detail goes into it. Um, the one uh, downside I found with the PS4 version, that's the version I play on now, relative to the PS3 version is because the attach rate is a lot lower it is a lot harder to find people to fill up heist missions yeah um, as you go on the heist missions like the early one the the bank one it just required two people which is fine because uh, our gang has three people in it at the moment we are all, uh, accepting new members Mark hint hint um, we have three people in it at the moment and it is kind of like it's the same like I get invites all the time when I'm walking around in the world but I'm too busy doing like any number of other things so I don't answer them so you could be sitting there with your mate just chatting away waiting for five ten minutes for somebody to actually say yes and join the heist and kind of um that doesn't really reward the kind of the, the people who don't have a massive list of friends who are playing GTA all the time how many people um, can you have sort of online or in your world at any one time um, I think each lobby is approximately sixteen people. Okay, I could be wrong, but it's in it's in that ballpark. Yeah, uh, you can either b- on purpose or by um, dodginess with loading into lobbies, end up in a lobby on your own or just with your friends. The one thing I will say is that if you don't like people who play online who are assholes. GTA is probably not for you, <laughs> uh, because you could be just walking to a, a, a nice fancy boutique to buy yourself a top hat or something like that, and you will probably get blown to bits about half a dozen times on the way there. Well, that is... I, I feel that you, if you're going to GTA Online not having that acceptance already built into your core, that... Yeah, you probably shouldn't be playing GTA Online. This is true. It's like, have you? Do you know nothing of their work? <laughs> um, it, you know, it, it just kind of trains you to get these um, kind of the habits of every time you earn money in the game, you go onto your phone and you lodge it into your bank, so that when you die, your money isn't left on the street for people to rob. Also, there's kind of like when you hold down the touchpad. I can't remember what the control to do it was. When you hold down the touchpad on the PS4 version, anyway. It opens a drop-down menu that has, like, if you aren't if you are a fan of the assholes, if you're trying to do something simple and they're getting in the way, you can enable passive mode, where as far, uh, to them you will appear as a ghost, they will not be able to shoot you, they will not be able to harm you, and you will not be able to draw weapons and harm them from passive mode. That's a cool, that's a cool feature. I like that. But you can go and kind of just get your few bits. If you just want to go around and have a nice retail shopping experience in GTA Online... You're free to do that as well. No, it's brilliant. There's like there's so much to do. There are so many kind of um, user created missions coming up now, and kind of there there is the promise of more heists in the future. But like I'm at the moment still working my way through the heists for the first time as a heist leader, so um, they can take their sweet time because I'm not nearly there yet. And as kind of like if we use this as an excuse to segue into the news, we've got 
uh, more content coming very regularly for GTA Online. Um, the first of what they say is going to be like two updates uh, throughout the summer is coming, which is going to include hundreds of new clothing and accessory items and a solid gold private jet. Which, like, that that sentence in and of itself, which is from the uh, the IGN report on kind of new content for GTA Online, really sums up what GTA Online is. There's a lot of content, there's a lot of things to do if you want to take things seriously and build a criminal empire, but you can also have a solid gold jet because it's Grand Theft Auto and it's silly. Yeah. Um. So, like, I am very much appreciative. Like, they are, Rockstar are committed to making this very kind of a persistent online scenario and are doing a much better job of it than, say, Destiny, for example, uh, because people just keep coming back. Content just keeps getting added. Uh, I'm not bored of it yet, nor am I remotely tempted to trade it in, whereas my copy of Destiny is long gone. And I can't remember, I mean, in terms of, is there anything that you can purchase in the world of GTA Online? Because... What, what do you mean? Um, well, just, is there anything you can buy, you know, with actual real physical money? Oh, uh, real life physical money. You can um... because the thing that amazes me is you know the amount of obviously like GTA Five sold a billion fucking copies, but it, the time and the money and the resource that has gone into getting GTA Online to this point is you know that's a pretty hefty order they've put in, yeah. and so I just wonder where besides yeah. obviously all the copies that they sold if there's any additional money coming in for it yeah you can buy cash for GTA online uh, in the form you'll see them on the on the PlayStation store if you scan your add-ons you'll see they they come up in the form of little credit cards is what the the icon for them looks like and it just has x amount of cash on it now i'm not entirely sure what the kind of like uh, obviously, for me, buying ca- uh, bu- using real money to buy fake money is never going to be worth it for me. I'd rather earn it. Yeah. But I don't know if, in the grand scheme of things, like you know, the way on say FIFA, you can buy coins for your uh, ultimate team or let's anything like that. that. If it, that's, that's just, <laughs> if it's kind of, I'll get FIFA into this show one day. You just you watch. I, I'm happy. Well, we will be talking about FIFA, but <laughs> I'm will. not talking we about the ultimate fucking car pack <laughs> team bollocks. Um, but you know what I mean. It's kind yeah. of like is. It, it kind of um, worth it to the hardcores like it would be in a game like that because in FIFA there's a massive amount of people spending real money on Ultimate Team um, but in, GT- in GTA what it seems more like is there's a massive amount of people who spend an abnormal amount of time on it because I haven't noticed like a preponderance of like a, a game breaking amount of people with too much tech um, and I suppose part of that is that, like, the game incentivizes you to get to higher levels and earn it that way. Like, for instance, you can't just go out and buy a tank on GTA Online. You need to be ranked 100 before you're allowed to have a tank. And even when you're allowed to have a tank, you never have it in your garage. You have to pay for it every time you rent it from a private company. Right. Who drop it off. So it's like a grand a pop, say, for example to get the tank so if you get the tank you have to earn it by getting to rank 100 and you have to continuously pay for it even after putting the massive payment of i think like a million dollars down on it at the start so they kind of like they put things behind um experience levels that kind of uh, seem to have worked largely to make people kind of want to go well there's no point in me buying the credit like buying a credit cards worth of fake money yet at least because i have to 
do all this work. Like, like I said, I've been playing it. I played it for a solid kind of two, two and a half months on PS3, ported my characters, character over, and I've been playing on and off for the last few months on it. And I'm still only at level 70, 71. So, like, it is, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a fucking steep hill to climb to get up to, say, level 100 where you get the tank. I think it's level 100. I want to say it's level 100. Seems um, like a healthy I, number. Yeah, and I think at, like, level 60, you can unlock a, an attack chopper, which I have. Um, but again, I very rarely use it. Um, I, I don't have cause to. Uh, the only time I remember things getting out of hand with people having superior kind of tech and ammunition to me is when myself and two of my friends loaded into what I still think is the worst lobby I've ever been in in the world, where four people who were all in the same gang had tanks. <laughs> okay. And you would be blown up, respawn 20 feet away beside one of the other guy's tanks and get blown up again. Um, the fortunate side of that is eventually when, because we stupidly decided we were going to try and blow up the four tanks... Um, kind of. I'm, we I'm reminiscing in back up. to that episode of South Park with World of Warcraft. <laughs> we eventually kind of uh, thought better of it, and you're always free to just hit the pause menu, load into a different lo- different lobby altogether. Uh, and they do have the thing for guys who are caught like uh, cheating or being assholes to people all the time. They do throw them into these bad sport lobbies where they kind of get relegated and put away with the other bold children for two or three days I to try and learn their lesson. That is utter and, mayhem. Yeah, and the kind of the... the I don't know if they still do it uh, on the PS4 version, but they kind of... Um, there's a, there'll be a moment after you get the notification that the next time you die, you'll be going into the bad sports lobby for X amount of time. And until you die and go into the bad sports lobby, you will appear in front of your friends in the other lobby to have a giant dunce cap on you. <laughs> Because again, GTA takes itself seriously, but is also very silly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I've I've kind of uh, gone on about GTA long enough, so let's get. There's some a lot more of to say about GTA, so it's all good. It is wonderful. I I, I do enjoy it quite a bit. Um, but we'll we'll get into some more of the the news items for this week. Then I think, unless you have anything else to add at this point. No, no, I'm I'm good to crack on with the news. Right, we'll fire away. So, XCOM 2 has been announced for November. This comes from Eurogamer.net. Um, there was teasers went up all last week, which kind of made, gave a lot of people who are fans of pretty much any 2K franchise uh, pause because they hoped th- that it would be this, they hoped it would be that. There was certainly a lot of people hoping it was Bioshock um, because a teaser site went up for this company called Advent who were kind of trying to build a brighter future. And um, there was a lot of talk of DNA and splicing and things like that in there. And obviously, if it's a 2K game and it mentions DNA and splicing, it's not going to take a lot for the internet to jump to a conclusion there. Uh, but it turns out that it is a full sequel, XCOM 2. So it's the new Fire... It's from Fire Axis, simply called XCOM 2. It's a sequel to the warmly received XCOM Enemy Unknown, which came out in 2012 and was itself a reboot of Julian Gallup's much-loved turn-based strategy classic. 
XCOM 2 takes place 20 years on from its predecessor at a time where aliens have established rule on Earth, which must be broken by your team of specialists. Procedural levels and mod support are in, though for more substantial details, we'll have to wait until E3. Uh, what are your thoughts on XCOM 2 being announced? I am not exactly surprised by this because the original XCOM, or if you want to say original XCOM, but the reboot of XCOM... Um, got Game of the Year award for about 50 different publications and websites uh, and was released on just about every platform possible and sold very well, with good reason, because it's a very good game. Now, I'll be the first to admit, outside of Pokemon, I don't really do strategy turn-based games, but I bloody enjoyed XCOM. I thought it had a really good... Just a really good atmosphere to it, and it controlled in a way that I could deal with because I'm an idiot and I don't like overcomplicated mechanics and menu systems. All that kind of nonsense doesn't do anything. You and me both, brother. You and me both. But XCOM streamlined it in a way that the diehards could still enjoy it. I I don't remember seeing much of an outcry against XCOM simplification, uh, but certainly for people who were... not as well versed into that world of strategy, strategy turn-based games. I always struggle with that word. Uh, they, they really enjoyed it. And so, yeah, this doesn't surprise me at all. It's been a good few years now. You know, they, I'm not going to say milked XCOM for all it's worth, but they got everything they could out of that game. And they should have because it was a brilliant game. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what more they announce for it at E3. What do you make of the idea that um, it's exclusive to PC and Mac? That is the bit I find quite surprising because of obviously just announcing or just saying that it was released on everything. Um, I don't know whether that is 2K just testing the waters to see how well it does and then announce console versions later on or if they'll announce anything at E3 about that. Um, But, you know, at the same time, they don't have to announce it for everything to begin with, so... This is true. We'll see. They might they might just turn around and announce all the console versions of E3 for yeah. all we know. Um, so we'll move on from that anyway. Uh, Nintendo announces a slew of new games. Um, so this was part of this. Uh, was this part of the same uh, mini press conference that you discussed earlier on? That certainly was. Yes. Um, so they've announced a number of things. You've got Doctor Mario Miracle Cure, Chibi Robo Ziplash. Mario and Sonic at the Rio 2016 Olympic Games. Uh, they also had, um, was it Bravely Second is coming to the West as well? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so uh, a slew of new games coming in here. Um, what do you make of some of the announcements? Are any of these you're particularly excited about? Um, I mean, Dr. Mario, uh, I can kind of give or take. I'm surprised it's taken this long to have uh, a new Dr. Mario game of some description on the handheld devices. Um, I actually bought Mario and Sonic 2012 Olympics. How um, was that? It was a subpar international track and field, but it had <laughs> Mario and Sonic, and it was fun for all the family, uh, except my family didn't really want to play it, so I pretty much played it by myself. Although, more than anything else, that terrifies me that the Olympics, you know, with this announcement that that was already like three, four years ago, um, time. Time is our enemy. Indeed. Uh, and, yeah, that Guru Guru Chibi Robot, I'm... Uh, nothing about that seems to set my world on fire. But it's it's a nice little taster for anything else that they 
might announce at E3, um, and you know Nintendo are getting the feelers in early. Uh, but uh, to be fair, the most exciting thing they announced really for me was the um, the, the newer stuff for the newer content for Splatoon. So I'm just hoping that there'll be kind of more of that stuff come E3. Yeah, I suppose any like what they want to do with because one of the things I read in a lot of the reviews about Splatoon is that it is kind of very bare bones at first. So I suppose for the sake of getting the uh, the sales strong, they want to get the word out that there's going to be consistent content added. Um, oh yeah, it's all fr- it's all free as well. Is yeah. It? Uh, yeah, as far as I'm aware, all uh, like last yesterday's um, new content was free, uh, and until they say otherwise, as far as I'm aware, just uh, any additional content they'll be adding for the moment. If they do like a massive pack. I can see them maybe charging four or five quid or doing something similar to what they did with Mario Kart, which I'd be fine with if it's, you know, of an additional level of content. But these just kind of brief map updates and weapon updates, I think they'll all be free. Hey, look, I'm I'm happy with free DLC, no matter what it is, good yeah. or bad, you know? Like, um, The Witcher as well, like, having invested in a full-price game the way CD Projekt Red rewards you is with 16 free packs of DLC for everybody. Jeez. Uh, every couple of weeks now they're just going to be like they don't seem to be massive kind of like uh deals but still you know it's better than you're getting in a lot of games and then kind of like hopefully that builds up your faith later on for when they ask you to pay money for the two massive expansions that they have planned but uh that's besides the point not to get back into the witcher again but um you kind of touched on splatoon's sales earlier on did you not we did indeed um, so we'll move straight past that because, again, much like we don't want to return to Splatoon, we don't or don't want to return to The Witcher. We'll, we'll leave Splatoon at it for the week. It's got enough uh, airtime from us. This is one I have not read because I really this felt like something that I would be wildly entertained to hear you explain to me. Capcom Four pulls PS4 Ultra Street Fighter Four from its own tournament. Yeah, what I mean, I, the I, fuck. <laughs> I was kind of following updates about this um, through a gentleman I follow on Twitter called uh, and I, or Andy Hamilton, whose Twitter handle is Andi Hero. He's a good dude, follow him. Uh, and he was kind of talking about the new edition of uh, Ultra Street Fighter, which has been ported to PS4, being a bit of a broken mess. And I think they've announced, or they have announced, that um, the Ultra Street Fighter 4 tournament version they'll use will be the Xbox 360 version now. Um, but yeah, simply, simply the the ported version to PS4 is a bit fucked, <laughs> essentially, and is uh, an, the latest in a number of comical escapades by Capcom. <laughs> I am led to believe that the fighting game community do not like when uh, their fighting games are buggy or glitchy. No, no, because that just... Uh, I mean, the fighting... I, I remember I did a video once... Um, briefly touching on the fighting game community because they're they're an interesting breed um you know there's been a number of things said about video gamers over the last year or two uh, and the fighting game community are not exempt from that particular <laughs> brand look at you dancing but, around <laughs> yeah you, you know what i'm on about but to be fair, I can kind of see where they're coming from. That if you're obviously got, you know, the Pro Evo, uh, not Pro Evo, but Evo is a, you know, highly regarded. <laughs> like Pro Evo, hello, Pro Evo. back in my wheelhouse. Now, uh, Evo is a sort of highly regarded uh, tournament, and and there's actual reward, uh, and you know, there, there is there is a reward for putting the time in to learn how to play these games because you know there's an actual cash reward at the end of it. Um, so obviously, you don't want to be playing a broken game because 
that's just an outcry for, well, this game's not fair then. So I can kind of see where they'll be coming from. Okay. Yeah, I really Fair danced enough. around that day. <laughs> <laughs> nicely dodged, diplomatically done, I think. Um, so we'll move nicely on while you uh, stop sweating uh, on that one. And uh, g- good news this week, uh, on an early episode of the podcast, I kind of railed against this idea that we're kind of, I thought we as a society were past this whole uh, rock band guitar hero every few years having to buy a rake of new instruments and DLC sort of thing. But since then, Rock Band 4's PR has do, uh, has helped kind of calm me down a little on the issue. Obviously, first there was the news that, you know, your DLC from previous Rock Band games is going to carry over. And now they're saying that your old instruments from previous generation Rock Bands are going to carry over to PS4, Xbox One through the use of a kind of um, a special adapter that Harmonix said they're going to make available at a low cost. So uh, this this to me is fantastic a bit of kind of like kind of an announcement to help persuade people who like me are just like oh, I I am not arsed buying a hundred quid worth of equipment again just for a game I'll play for a couple of months and then throw everything in the cupboard. Well, the key thing is how many people still have their old rock band and guitar hero <laughs> peripherals because I sure as hell don't have mine. But yes, um, in terms of doing good PR for Rock Band, this is about as good as you can do. Um, And I think I remember there was uh, another shout-out to Giant Bomb, as we seem to do on every episode, but I think I remember them discussing (laughs) would they have some sort of adapter or do something to make it uh, available for you to use your old um, Rock Band or Katahira peripherals. And evidently it seems that the harmonics are going to do that, and that's great. Because yeah, uh, it's just it's just a smart thing to do, and if they can it, do it for a very reasonable price, then thumbs up for me. Do you know, like it rewards the kind of the hardcore rock band fans who had like put a lot of money into the previous generation. So you're getting you're getting yourself an awful lot of kind of uh, goodwill with that community, as well as the people who like aren't as hardcore into it and just kind of still have. Um, a drum kit gathering dust somewhere in an attic that can kind of now, now take it out and instead of kind of paying 100 150 dollars to play rock band 4 they can now just pay 60 dollars and just get the game and yeah. they have everything else already with that said That's though fantastic. i mean i absolutely thrashed the bollocks off of my old guitar hero guitar um the actual you're like, so metal mark i know so well <laughs> I was Trashing play- your kit at the end of a nice rock band set. I played a lot of Stricken by Disturbed and a lot of Hot for Teacher by Van Halen. And <laughs> after a while, the whatever you want to call the plectrum, um, I just knackered the fuck out of it. Uh, so I don't actually know how many of those older guitars still work to the with, with the kind of functionality that they'll need for the newer games. But we'll see. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just too hardcore. <laughs> okay, so we'll move on to our uh, our final bit of uh, news for the week where uh, I champion feel we're of the best e- for last. Cha- yeah champion of equality and rights for people everywhere FIFA uh, have been associated on what has been it, it's been quite the um, the tumultuous week of news for them uh, <laughs> to, to say the least but the the one bit of good news that has come out of it all you could argue is that uh, EA Sports have announced that for the first time FIFA 16 due out in the fall of this year, we'll have women's teams for the first time. Uh, women's international teams will uh, 
will be part of the game and kind of the first footage we've seen of FIFA 16 at all are the women teams. So uh, what, what do you make of this, being a football fan and a video game fan? I mean, from anyone who has a level-headed sense of perspective, this is a fantastic feature uh, that I'm very happy to see be implemented into this series. Uh, and I'm not going to dance around this issue because <laughs> it's very sad, but very sadly uh, not surprising that the backlash um, that EA have received from... Um, I, it's You can't really say majority, but there is certainly a vocal portion of people that play FIFA who uh, have, you know decreed that they're not going to buy this game and they should have been using this time and money to improve other parts of the the game itself and fuck those people fuck I'll, them I'll... and their stupid sad pathetic little ways yes i whatever their pathetic stance for really no reason at all on the game i can tell you as someone who is as hopelessly addicted to fifa as those people but thankfully i'm more level-headed that they are buying FIFA. <laughs> you know, the the thing about FIFA is that EA could stand up at their press conference on E3 and say, FIFA 16, we've changed nothing because fuck you. And everyone will still buy it. <laughs> because that's how deep FIFA's claws are into the people who play FIFA. Yeah. Much like myself. It is my crack. It is how I kind of relieve stress after a day of teaching or a day in college or anything like that that I can just crack on a game of FIFA and I as a fan of football as a fan of um, equality as a fan of games I'm absolutely thrilled to see thing something like this happen I'm skeptical that uh, this was in any way a kind of FIFA influence decision I would say this is more an EA influence decision because you got to think FIFA are the organisation who wants uh their president, Seth Blatter, was once reported saying the way to make women's soccer more appealing was to make their shorts tighter. Just go and watch that John Oliver video. Just oh, You should post the link yes. up with this yes. podcast. Yes. John, John Oliver, the uncrowned king of the world, who completely skewered FIFA this week on his show last week tonight on HBO. Well worth looking up. And yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, I think and, it's, it's worth and, doing that. And, and some people were saying that... Um, <laughs> You know, this is still far from perfect. Like, you can't um, have women play against men. You know, the, the women's teams play against the men's teams. And I'm like, my... that's. But then, yeah, I, I saw that as well. And I was like, in my head, I was like, that's not something I had thought about doing anyway. No, I mean, so... for example, <laughs> to bring wrestling into this. But when I have played my wrestling games over the years, um, I've never wanted to have... Trish Stratus take on The Rock or fucking Candice Michelle take on whatever man I can't think of from that period of time <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was leaving a silence there to see who you'd pick I'm gonna go with the hurricane yeah. fuck it and <laughs> it's like as, yeah you know I just of all the complaints to have that seems from the other side of, of the spectrum that's like that's really nitpicking to a degree that I think is just Go outside, have a cup of I coffee, think... <laughs> enjoy the sunshine, enjoy the birds. I think that's the nitpicking from the side of the fence where people want to seem a bit sexist so that you know they're sexist, but not quite as sexist as the people who are refusing to buy the game. 
Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you know, it's like, I want to dip my toe in the waters of sexism, but I don't want to dive in right now. You know, I'm going to see, I'm going to I'm gonna plant my flag and see who comes and stands beside me. But, um, I mean, no. I'm, I'm enjoying the sheer madness of it. I'm enjoying seeing, I, I spend far too long looking at comment, comment threads, whether it's on YouTube or Eurogamer or whatever, and just seeing the madness unfold. Um, and it, it, it's a sobering, well, it's a sad thing for me that these idiots exist, but it's a sobering thing for me that these people exist, because I realise I'm not as much of an idiot as I think I am. Uh, still no yep. word from KSI uh, what he thinks about this, but we'll wait and see. <laughs> Um, no, I, I'm I'm very happy to see this news. The one kind of, the one bit of criticism of this news that uh, kind of warmed my heart was the people who are criticising saying there aren't enough women teams being announced for it, and which is good. There are people saying it's only the international teams we want more. Those are the kind of people criticising things that I can get on board with. Um, but you know you got to start somewhere like if you think about going back to the, the early Pro Evo games and stuff like that where it was only international teams before they found their bearing um, it makes sense from a development standpoint like if they're going to be entirely different character models uh, for the women rather than just kind of skins of the same kind of character yeah, models that takes um, money you, they've got they, yeah they've got to do kind of it's a, a Doing a kind of limited settings is almost like a beta test for when, if and when they decide to expand that. So yeah, very happy, and it's very timely as well with the Women's World Cup kicking off very soon. Yes. Um. So yeah, very happy to see that. Uh, hopefully, we'll see more uh, news on that at E3, and hopefully, some other nice bells and whistles being attached to FIFA 16 in January. Um, I'll be eagerly watching that one myself. Indeed. So uh, I think then with the what? Uh, just say indeed. With the, uh, uh, indeed. Uh, with the news out of the way, then, I think it's time to hand over to Mark because it's time for the Link to the Cast book club. Streets of Rage is a beat-em-up series developed and published by Sega, exclusively for the Sega Mega Drive slash Genesis, and was a response to Final Fight, an arcade beat-em-up developed by Capcom. The Streets of Rage series was an interesting series of side-scrolling beat-em-ups because they were home console games instead of being arcade games that were then ported to the home console, as with the likes of Final Fight. The original was released in 1991 and uh, introduced the main characters, three young police officers, Axel, Blade and Adam, as they tried to take down Mr. X and his syndicate. The graphics and character models in the original Streets of Rage were a lot smaller and were nowhere near as detailed as that that would appear in Streets of Rage 2 and Streets of Rage 3. And certainly the soundtrack in the first game, while good, paled in comparison to that of Streets of Rage 2, which was developed or uh, composed by Yuzo Koshiro who was very much influenced by 90s, early 90s dance music and uh, he'd incorporate a wide range of styles 
including electro, hardcore, breakbeat, house, jungle, techno, techno and trance. Um, and would get a lot more experimental with Streets of Rage 3, which was not well received. And one of those reasons was for the uh, slightly more off-kilter soundtrack that Koshiro would uh, incorporate into that game. Surprisingly, there was never a release or sequel after Streets of Rage 3. Sega tried to bring the Streets of Rage series to the Sega Saturn using a 3D title already in development called Fighting Force, but nothing ever came of this. There were tentative thoughts about making Streets of Rage 4 for the Dreamcast, but well, to, due to a number of reasons with the Dreamcast and the team involved, uh, this just could never come to be. There's been a number of remakes and, and um, community project-funded attempts to make remakes and sequels. Uh, to either the original Streets of Rage series or like a new instalment and these can be found online in various forms and fashions and they are they're very much within the spirit of what Streets of Rage is. This is kind of a, almost a disclaimer for myself that um, I have very limited kind of experience with the Streets of Rage franchise having not been a, a Sega Genesis kid uh, myself I kind of went straight from um, playing Doom on my dad's PC to owning an N64 with not much of a stop in between myself so I'm kind of like just kind of like pleasantly sitting back and hearing you kind of sell me on this game that I really should have played when I had the Mega Drive collection for my PS3 um, of course I'm not kind of um, alien to the entire idea of a side-scrolling beat-em-up I think you know as every as every grown man should have, I owned a copy of WWF Betrayal on the Game Boy Color, <laughs> which was which was very much a a Streets of Rage knockoff, if ever there was one. Um, but kind of like um, talk to me about the kind of the um the the importance of the the Streets of Rage franchise in in kind of like um for better or worse the kind of the legacy it has on the, the side-scrolling uh, beat-em-up or kind of beat-em-ups in general kind of it's it's one of the ones that will always be mentioned if you mention a 2D side-scrolling beat-em-up uh, you've got a number of the I, I think the key thing to think about actually is that for a lot of people, when they think of the 2D side-scrolling beat-em-up, they think of uh, arcade games. Um, there was like the Simpsons one, I can't remember the exact name of. Um, there was a X-Men arcade game, the Teenage Mutant Heroes one, that was, I think, was a port from the arcade game. And that's where the kind of glory is, in think of quotations, that this genre comes from. And so the key thing for Streets of Rage is that it was one of the games where they you know brought it into the home uh, as a console game and it stands up just as well both graphically and gameplay wise and i think that's kind of the key thing um certainly as well there was a couple of games as well that even came out just before around that time like golden axe which are still fondly remembered but the kind of quality the fidelity in terms of the audio and graphically they don't hold up anywhere near as well um you know when you play a game like golden axe it feels dated. Series of Rage 2 for me doesn't feel dated. It actually feels like, because we live in this time where um, there is that that feel to bring back that retro kind of style, Series of Rage 2 is one of those games that it just it holds up. Like we said in the original um, podcast, in our original installment with A Link to the Past, it just it holds up, it stands the test of time, and that kind of pixel art style always will. But you can still see there's a way where that pixel style 
in a golden axe or in an alien storm, which is really fucking throwing it back there. If anyone wants to see what that's like, it sounds like. They don't hold up anywhere near as well as Streets of Rage 2 does. Um, and the key thing as well is just it's just really, really fun to play. It's, it's, it's got some, as I said, it has some really good character design. I mean, they're, one of the bosses is a guy called Max Thunder, who is blatantly uh, ripped off of the Ultimate Warrior. And I feel that in itself should be a big enough sale for you. Um, all of the, the main characters you have, and I can't remember... Um, I mean, some of the other beat up games have characters that have different techniques or play differently in certain ways. So if I were to ask you a bit, because like, you've kind of you've gone on about kind of three or four different aspects of the game that are really kind of memorable to you, whether it's kind of like fun to play or the kind of the art or anything like that or the, the soundtrack, which above all those things, when I say to you, just in a conversation out in a pub, Streets of Rage 2, for you or for kind of most other people who are familiar with Streets of Rage 2, which of those things is the real standout, the thing that you immediately think of? Soundtrack. Um, if soundtrack. You, you can. Uh, I've seen videos of the Streets of Rage 2 soundtrack being played in nightclubs in Japan, um, like in this kind of era, and people lose their shit for it. I yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the, the thing about that as well is like the Mega Drive in terms of its actual audio quality and fidelity wasn't that good. It has a real, for a lot of the games, it has a real tinny, robotic kind of sound to it. And you can really hear it if you kind of compare games that were ported across from the Mega Drive to the SNES or vice versa. But there are a few games where that isn't an issue. Uh, and, you know, the Sonic soundtrack is a very famous example, but the Streets of Rage is another one as well. Again, they kind of went a bit mental with the third one, and that went, like, way off the deep end in terms of, like, hardcore techno, but that game's mental for a number of reasons. But certainly for the first two, it just... Certainly for the first one, actually, has a, a, a lot more of a... dancey, beat, jazzy kind of vibe to it. Um, which just a lot of games at that time don't have, and it's this kind of soundtrack that just it still holds up today, you know. And it's one that I can kind of hum in my head along with like Mega Man 2 to this day, because it's fucking catchy. Um, and you know, since then, I, I think its legacy holds up pretty well. It's been re released a number of times on different networks, and you know, it's the kind of game that if I see it on whatever new console I buy, it, I'll probably buy it because it's just it's fun to kind of kick back and and slay some fools. Uh, and there's, you know, punks that drive by on motorbikes that you can kick off and the motorbikes explode and you can whack people with pipes and you can throw knives and, yeah, it's a grand old time. I, I suppose because kind of, like, you've been doing a great job propping this up, by the way, whereas I'm kind of, I'm so not the voice of experience uh, on this particular game. But um, as a kind of final thing to um, tie up your kind of, your, um, your gushing about Streets of Rage 2, how kind of elevator sales pitch for someone that has not played this game before someone who was remiss and didn't do their homework for the link to the cast book club this week like say me give me the quick elevator pitch for why it is ridiculous if you have gotten this far in your life without playing this game well there's a number of games in the side scrolling beat em up lore that you should indulge in if you haven't but um, Streets of Rage 2 is a game that can be, it's only a couple of hours long, 
it's very good fun if you play with someone else and certainly we live in an era where kind of local carp is coming back into the world but I know that the Xbox 360 version had online cooperative play um, it's just it's very memorable it's very catchy it's very easy to play and pick up but it has a cool couple of neat little features as well uh, in terms of the actual combat mechanics um, and it's just I, I generally feel it's just a classic of that era that should just at least be seen you know and certainly heard if nothing else and you know what play it just because Mark says so Right. No, I, I don't like to think that I have that level of importance. But that, that should be enough. Look, Mark, if you put your seal of approval on it, that should be good enough for everyone. I, yeah, it comes with a high recommendation. But we'll move on from that, and um, yeah, we'll finish off by asking Dave what will be your game for next week that we should well, all go away and play. Well, Mark, we'll have two weeks to play this one, because in place of our regular show next week, we're going to have um, an E3 special. This is true which is going to be a kind of uh, a non-canonical edition of the podcast. So you will have two weeks to play this game. I've been agonizing over kind of, you know, uh, like I said last time, it was my choice, whether I should go backwards, whether I should go forwards. We're going to get to everything eventually. But I've uh, arrived nicely in the middle of my history playing games. And I want to take us on a trip, Mark. I want to take us on a trip through outer space. I want to take us on oh, a trip. It's not Dino Crisis Three, is it? It's not Dino Crisis Three. That's that's the next one. That's next on my list, obviously. Um, no, um, I want to take us on a trip through space. I want to take us on a trip to a small purple box that formed part of my console playing life. I want to take us to the GameCube and a little game called Metroid Prime. Oh. Big shout! Oh, that's a solid choice. So, that is my Link to the Cast book club for our next episode, episode six. And before we completely wrap up, we have some plugs to do, I think, Mark. Do we? Uh, we do. Um, <laughs> this wasn't announced ahead of schedule. No, we just have some plugs, like the usual things, like, you know, follow us on Twitter, at Link to the Cast on Twitter, facebook.com slash Link to the Cast, uh, Obviously, the website, linktothecast.wordpress.com, where we kind of centralize all our content. But on top of that, there's a couple of other things I want to uh, kind of bring to the attention of people. Are you going to tell about doing, it? We've been doing a send out a tout about it. Yes, absolutely. Um, we've been doing a little streaming lately, Mark, haven't we? We've been doing just just, just a tad to, to you know dip our toes into the world of streaming to see if we uh, if we're not fully rejected by it. So if you are a Twitch participant, if you are a, I, I don't know, I'm I'm not kind of familiar enough with Twitch yet to know if these people kind of have a, a collective term for each other. Let's say Twitchers. Yeah. If you are a, um, a Twitcher or uh, just someone who is on Twitch, who is partial to watching a bit of video game streaming, give us an ad or a follow or again, I'm not sure of the language. Just find us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash link to the cast. We have a few uh, Let's Plays up there. We've been archiving them and sending them across to our YouTube channel. I'm going to put up a link to our YouTube channel today on our Facebook page, so keep an eye out for that. So, so far, you've gone through a bit of guacamole, Mark. Uh, I simply just did... Um, there, there's a, a, a trophy you can obtain in guacamole by playing it. Uh, the, the final boss in the game, I just kind of did that, just my own sort of... You know, to give myself a pat on the back and say, yeah, look how <laughs> awesome I am. 
so check that out. And then on top of that, we have, um, I played through about 40, 45 minutes of Sunset Overdrive on the Xbox One. Now, unfortunately, I wasn't able to give my fantastic commentary on that one, because for some reason the Xbox insists that if you're going to record audio on a stream, you need the Kinect, and fuck the Kinect. <laughs> um, so until that thing is packaged separately and I can find it secondhand at a reasonable cost, you will not hear my dulcet tones over Halo or Master G- or um, Sunset Overdrive or anything like that. But if you want to hear my dulcet tones and commentary, there is a, a two-part video on our YouTube channel and on our Twitch channel about um, my Minecraft world that myself and my friend Ben have been working through, including the what was possibly one of my biggest departures from my own sanity and building a giant cobblestone skull that cries lava um, in the middle of our nice peaceful village. So I feel like we need of, to sit down um, and have a talk of, about this, Dave. Uh, yeah, I'll get on the therapist couch after we start after we stop recording, and we'll talk about that. But you, you can hear me kind of giving a tour, and I, I suppose I'll probably do more streams on Minecraft because people I am led to believe enjoy Minecraft streams. So it's I'll a big do a thing. few more. Yeah, when I kind of come up with a nice project for myself and Ben to do in there, you can you'll see more of uh, my Minecraft streams. I might stream a bit of The Witcher this week or something like that. But we'll we'll. We'll always endeavour to do like um, a, a stream here or there. So keep an eye out. Give us a follow. We'll tweet the link out beforehand anyway as well. And uh, maybe throw it up on the Facebook. And um, if you give us follow on Twitch, you may well be notified when we go to do a stream. So uh, keep an eye out there. And they'll all be, like I said, now that I've figured out how to do it properly, they will all be archived on our YouTube channel. So you can always go there and catch up on all the goodness you might have missed during the week. I might just for... For a good time, I might um, give some hot streaming action on Peggle 2, but we'll, we'll see Woof. how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you enjoy that, so I, I suppose I'll leave it to you then, Mark, now that I've gotten all my uh, my whoring out for the brand done, and we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up, shall we? I do feel cheap and nasty now we've hauled ourselves out to that degree. Uh, yeah, thank That's you. That's how you always want to finish a podcast, I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> this is going down a dark, dark, dark path. Anyway, <laughs> yes, I am Mark Robinson, and as always, with me across the pond has been Dave Ryan. And thank you for listening. Um, again, any feedback, comments, please throw them away. I've had uh, some people leave positive feedback. If there is negative, please give negative as well. Just be to, nice yeah, about send it. that send that all to Mark. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I'll deal with it. I'll take it on my chin. Wait, no. <laughs> anyway, yeah, till next time. <laughs> it's been a link to the cast, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Slangerfall. <laughs>